A reading this morning, Where Healing Begins, by Reverend Erica Hewitt. The work of forgiveness is so challenging, the actual work of it. The naming, grieving, empathizing, releasing, it's like a death of what we wanted, what we expected, what we hoped for, what we were deserved and didn't receive. We don't get to control other people or outcomes. I am in, as devastated about this as you are. All of us have holes in our hearts where arrows have landed. One of my arrows landed five years ago when a friend who used to refer to us as sisters ghosted me. That doesn't mean that we lost touch or she was too busy to respond to my texts and calls and emails. It means that time revealed her to have made an ongoing choice, however passive, to end our relationship with neither warning nor explanation. Every relationship is an ongoing story that unfolds between people, and yet it took me years to stop trying to will a new chapter of this relationship into existence. Where there was once a loving relationship, now there's an echo and an ache. Where a stinging question once haunted me, why? A new question emerged. What shall I do with this pain? The first question is unanswerable. The second one prodded me into connection where healing begins. I talked over my pain with both spirit and my therapist. Those were very different conversations. And once I let go of shame, I received a healing balm in learning how many of my friends have also been ghosted. I thought I was done, done, as if our spiritual journeys are ever complete, until a worship experience bestowed me with a grace that I hadn't even known I needed. Softened by music and prayer and the ministry of my colleagues, I found myself with the capacity to pray for the sister who abruptly left my life. That's more free than I'd ever imagined getting, but that's what grace does. It's a spiritual ladder amid all of life's shoots. Ministers like to say that we go to church because others are in need of us. We're a people of relationship and promise trust and accountability, and it's why you can't be a UU in isolation. Sometimes I need to receive more soothing than to rest in a power greater than myself, more forgiving, more compassionate, more soothing than any force that lives inside of me. What a wondrous gift that we can both summon and create that power in community, lifting one another into wholeness through giving and receiving. 
for things we may never understand, compassionate one. May your grace transform our despairing questions into curiosity about how connection, agency, and grace conspire to heal and free us. Kindling the flame of love and justice to nurture and heal ourselves, each other, and our world. This is the mission statement of this congregation. Today we launch our summer sermon series, which is a bit of a tongue twister. <laughs> in which members of this community will reflect on and explore the second part of this statement, to nurture and heal ourselves, each other, and our world. This mission statement was birthed out of a more than a year-long process in which members of this congregation met together to share their ideas, their hopes, their dreams and their visions of who we want to be in the world. I use the, the term birthed quite deliberately as it was a process of love, a labor of love, one that at times was both joyful and difficult. And now we are together engaging as a board, as a congregation, to explore what it means to live into this mission. And this summer, we're focusing specifically on how we experience nurture and healing. To say that we experience nurture and healing is not to say that we are somehow flawed or somehow less than Although my Catholic and some Christian siblings would disagree with me, I don't believe in the idea of original sin. The idea that Eve, who was thirsty for knowledge and understanding, ate from the apple from the tree of life, and now we are all broken and flawed. I don't buy it. How can a quest for truth and knowledge be one that is considered to be flawed. And perhaps that's a sermon for another day. I do believe that there is divine magic present in all of us, that each one of us is perfectly imperfect that we are all worthy of love, of loving and being loved. But I also know that our world can be hard and cruel, that we cause each other pain, that those plans that we start, that started as a small spark of an idea within us, that we tended and nurtured until we felt sure that it was our destiny to live them out. 
sometimes those plans are cut short. Or we find that there is something else we are destined to do, to be. That the universe is calling us in a different direction. There are global pandemics. There are injustices. So many injustices. And in the midst of all that is our life, how do we find nurturing and healing? A reading, Mending, written by Atina O. Danner. If you are feeling worn thin and riddled with holes, I hope you will take comfort in the fact that much can be mended. Mending comes in many forms, and be aware, mending won't make a thing new. You will be the same as what makes you you. Yourself patched up, pulled together and swiftly sewn. If you've got time for darning, it is work, work, work. Tedious as meditation, and sometimes as rewarding. Just do what you have time for. My fabric has a lot of holes. I'm grateful for the stars I can see through them, the sunlight warming my blood. I mend some, I leave some, mend some, leave some, patching in remnants of steel wire and my own voice. You deserve, it will be okay. Keep going, keep going, keep going, keep sewing. Truth holds together, and I wear the truth I've told. When places in life tear and wear thin, examine the frayed edges and threadbare patches. And if they tear, appreciate the light coming in as you learn how best to mend. When we work to nurture and heal ourselves, each other, and the world, it's important for us to give gratitude for our lived experiences. We can be grateful for the holes that allow us to see the stars, however difficult they may be, and we can work toward greater wholeness. And here is the good news. We are not in this alone. We belong to an interconnected web of all existence. It is our connectedness that gives us a network to lean into, a support when we need it, and a way to contribute and support others when they need it. In social justice work, they talk about taking a break and catching your breath when you need it, knowing that there will be others who will carry on until you are ready to join back in. It's how you sustain. It's how you carry on the, the cause. And life is like that too. 
There are times when each of us can be fully engaged, tending to the work of nurturing and healing ourselves, one another, and our world. And there are times when we need to catch our breath, when we need to take a pause, times when we will experience crushing grief and devastating losses. And in those times, we can also lean into one another. A reading, Reciprocity, written by Atina O. Danner. I put aloe on my skin and I remembered. Like a dream, I remembered being small, fascinated as my father engraved a wooden sculpture. I stood close because we were close. My father's creativity was like my mother's immunity. It carried and supplemented my own. Standing stock to my climbing vine, by his side I could share the sunlight. Suddenly, a bright flare of pain, hissing steam, shocked my small frame rigid. My father's fast, fast and steady hands grabbed the aloe from the windowsill. Assuring, calm, he broke it open and pressed the cool liquid to my burning skin. This was my introduction to magic, medicine in my own home. An unforgettable lesson, the power of cultivation to yield reciprocity. We took care of the aloe vera and the aloe took care of me. Years later, I pull aloe from a yellow pot, slender and bright green leaves, but brown and pinched at the base, choked by the wrong mix of soil. I nurse an ember of shame for not catching it sooner. In apology, I place a leaf in the arms of my altar goddess. Another accidentally cracks open. Green clarity shines as the gel flows into my hand. I know at my core not to waste it. My glistening hand finds a patch of eczema. The itch that had plagued me all morning is soothed. My ember flares as I realize the extent of what I've done. I can get a new plant, but still, I regret this neglect. I apologize to the aloe roots, resolve to give better care. I place the final leaf on the altar among the ancestors to remind me how care extends and then returns our purpose to nurture each other. Our interconnectedness is not only to our human family, but to the natural world as well. We have experienced firsthand in the DC area this summer, the effects of wildfires that are beyond our US borders. I heard someone recently say that now that we recognize that we share the same air with Canada and the rest of the world, can we do something about it? The climate crisis continues, 
And while it is important for us as individuals to do our part, it really is the practices of larger corporations that need major reforms. Victoria Safford writes, what if there were a universe, a cosmos, which began in shining blackness out of nothing, out of fire, out of a single silent breath, and into it came billions and billions of stars, stars beyond imagining, and near one of them, a world, a blue-green world, so beautiful that learned clergymen would not even speak about it cogently, and brilliant scientists with the mystics, or, or I'm sorry, with the physics, their mathematics, their imperial impressionistic musings, in trying to describe it, would begin to sound like poets. What if there was, were a universe in which the world was born out of a smallish star, and into that world, at some point, few red-winged blackbirds, and into it swam sperm wells, and into it bloomed crocuses, and into it blew wind to lift the tiniest hairs on naked arms in spring, and into it at some point grew onions out of soil, and in went Mount Everest, and also the coyote we've spotted in the woods about a mile from here, just after sunrise on these mornings, when the moon is full. The very scent of him makes his brother, our dog, insane with fear and joy and ancient inbred memory. Into that world came animals and elements and plants and imagination, the mind and the mind's eye. If such a universe existed, she writes, and you noticed it, what would you do? What song would come out of your mouth? What prayer, what praises, what sacred offering, what whirling dance, what religion and what reverential gesture would you make to greet that world every single day you were in it? And I would also add, what lengths would we go to nurture and heal that world? As our time together this morning draws to a close, I offer you one more reflection from Naomi King. And this is titled, Hello, My Name Is. When we introduce ourselves to another person, we usually extend our hand and summarize ourselves with one word, usually our name. Hello, my name is Naomi. 
Hello, my name is Michelle. These are the kind of face-to-face -face greetings that initiate relationships, that open our hearts and act as a bridge of connection from one person to the next. But there's another kind of one-word naming that goes on in our larger society that burns bridges, locks down relationships, and keeps us from living our promises to each other. We know these words. These are not words I need to repeat here, for repeating them simply gives them more power. But they're the more horrible terms. These are the words denying inherent dignity. These are the words that undermine and attack inherent worth. For these words have one powerful, hurtful message. You're not worthy. You're not human. You're not enough. Throughout my life, I've had plenty of these words, those labels ascribed to me. So many that I that although I may scratch or may stretch out my hand and say, my name is Naomi, what I feel I am saying is, hello, I'm worthless, or hello, I'm wrong. I came into our religious community because we promised to counter those messages. I am a part of a religious community because we promise not to reduce one another to terrible labels, not to strip each other of our humanity, not to ascribe levels of worthiness to one another. Most of us need to celebrate life, to feel our inherent worth, to be, to be restored to our dignity, to practice justice, equity, and compassion in human relationships. Most of us yearn to say, hello, I'm somebody. And to be greeted, hello, somebody, welcome. We are glad you're here. Most of us hunger for affirmations and celebrations in who we are and in the gifts and blessings we bring this world. She writes, most of us come here to be greeted as loving, generous, compassionate people we are. Each of us has at least one blessing. And I believe that each of us offers many blessings to this world in who we are. But sometimes we and our world, even our beloved community, might have a difficult time affirming or seeing those blessings. And so I want you to think right now to look into yourself and discover again one of your blessings, one of your gifts to the world. Is it that you are loving, peaceful, 
generous, compassionate. There are so many traits and blessings. What is yours? I invite you to greet yourself in the mirror next time you're standing before one with that name, that blessing. And if you're comfortable, I invite you to share those with one another today during our coffee hour. We are all blessings to this world. Our work of building bridges and connections by finding and naming and affirming those blessings is the work of nurturing our spirits and healing our world. May it be so.